0: Welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Hi, oh,
1: Nigel, Morning, Mark. How are you, mate? You all right? Thank you. Yes, very well. Good. So, Ooh, just check my internet connection here. Run the right one.
0: <laughs> Good. Lots of people joining this morning. Welcome to you all. Good morning, all. Just ticking in. It's getting close to Christmas now, isn't it?
1: Certainly is. Certainly is.
0: Um, With your engineer in precision, have you got your baubles out? <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> I just woke up one morning and there they were. <laughs> Good yeah. stuff, outsourcing, love it. <laughs> yeah, the, the ladies do it far better than I do, I have to say. So.
0: Good, and uh, we got the announcements coming out on how... Uh, how lockdown? Uh, how we're coming out of lockdown and, and Christmas as well. Mm. We're going to be taking a, a well earned rest, aren't we? A uh, couple of weeks over Christmas. A couple of weeks. Yep, we we're shutting down, aren't
1: we? The academy. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. It's been a it's been an interesting year, and I think everybody just deserves a little bit of time with the family. focused focused time with the family, really. Um, so, yeah, it should be great. And we're, we're back in the new year, aren't we? At uh, I can't remember the exact date now, the 4th, 5th, something like that of uh,
0: January. Definitely, yeah, we've got the uh, new January intake coming in uh, that mm. first or second week in January as well, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good mornings, uh, morning Andrew, morning Yoko, morning Philip, Tracy, morning, morning, Gareth, Mark, Sam, Liz, morning one and all, just make sure we got...
1: Oh, we've got, oh, I just saw Asher there. Asher, I'll give you a call back later, mate. Sorry, we should call yesterday.
0: <laughs> it's wonderful. We've got so many of our uh, mentees on here as well. Um, and uh, don't forget those mentees who are on here, uh, 9 o'clock till 11 o'clock this morning is the uh, equa Mentorship Session. So we've got lots going on there. So uh, really looking forward to that highly accountable session uh, in a little while. So, we've had a few running series recently, Nice. We had that three-part running series on raising private capital. Yeah, it was good. We um, had a two-parter on joint ventures. Yeah. Um, uh, we could maybe have entitled that The Perils and The Joys. We've seen, the, <laughs> we've seen both ends of the spectrum, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah. Um, and last week... Uh, one that I know was uh, was eagerly awaited and uh, was our largest uh, uh, group attendance ever uh, was was structuring. Mm. Um, particularly, we looked at deal structuring. And a few of you have asked um, the, the slides that Nigel kindly shared. Uh, could he share those slides? Well, we've put the, the recording um, into the EQUA portal. So if you go to EQUA Academy Facebook group, Go to Equa Academy, and in the very first pinned post, you'll see instructions on how to uh, go to uh, the Equa Portal. Um, the email for the Equa Portal uh, is in there, and uh, it's totally complimentary. There's about 250, 260 items there recorded content, templates, pretty much everything that we can chuck in there. And we provide that absolutely free. You don't give your credit card details or anything. Um, so that's, that's our gift to you because, uh, knowledge is important, but, uh, it's the application of uh, that knowledge where we, we build on in the, the mentorship group. Yep. So a yep. very well welcome to everybody.
1: i seen a note, um, just asking for the last, the dates of the last breakfast session. Um, just looking at the calendar now, so I'm guessing it'll be the 16th of December will be the last one. And yeah, then we're, the last one. We're, yeah. We're closing the doors on, uh essentially that uh, that Friday, the 18th.
0: Yep. Good, good. Looking forward to that. Right, okay. So deal structuring, um, really important uh, area for, for us, something we focus on, but it doesn't just start with the deal. In fact, it starts well before the deal. So just got a few slides um, that we use quite frequently that we want to share with you you know, we're very transparent and, and open, so um, we'll share a few slides and just give you a feel of how we structure our, our, our thoughts, our moral compass bearing, then our business, and then uh, another example, building on the two examples that Nigel showed last week, uh, which were extremely thought-provoking, uh, another example for you. So this can going to be another very vibrant session, so let me share these slides. There's only three slides. We're not doing death by PowerPoint here. Okay, so let's start with um, your ethos. Now, your ethos may be very different to ours, but we'll share with you what ours is. And this is actually a page from from our corporate brochure of of Echo Group. Nigel and I have got very different uh, interests uh, alongside Echo Group as well. Um, like uh, SAS Alliance and ECRA Academy, but this is for ECHO Group. So the context here is we are a, a large-scale developer uh, doing land to residential or commercial to residential. So our ethos um, is, a, is a river that runs through pretty much all of our businesses, to be honest, and that's the creation of, of shared value. Many of you will have, have heard us speak before about how we've worked across the construction industries of, of the world and, and seen that there's a, a common common point of reference, really, that you know, if if I want more profit, you're going to make less profit. That's the that's the way the construction industry of the world, the value system, tends to work. And we'd always recognize that there has to be another way. Imagine a way where we can create shared value together and create that recurring and consistent relationships rather than kind of bayonetting each other into submission. And, you know, that's probably why the construction industry is one of the most litigious industries consistently in certainly the 30 odd countries that that I've had the pleasure of working in over over my career. So creating shared value is, is really important. And we as Business owners, whether you're a developer or whatever your business is, if you're a business owner, you have the responsibility um, and the accountability of creating your own culture, a culture that sits true to your values. And this is absolutely relevant to the the structure of how you structure your your businesses. So our creation of shared value wheel, um, these are all of our stakeholders here. Um, and we want all of these parties to have the sweet taste of success uh, and want to come back looking, looking for more. Uh, that could be the, the vendor. We acquire many commercial properties, um, and uh, quite often, you know, if we've acquired a commercial property from one vendor, it leads to a relationship to explore other opportunities. It could be contractors, tenants. Uh, our agents. We use our agents for recurring. Um, many of our agents, Nigel. The, I mean, Nigel runs our land and acquisition team. Um, you create relationships where they may they f- may find opportunities for us and end up coming back in at the back end to to help us sell or rent those units. Yeah, a
1: couple of routes in. Really, um, we either commission the the agents to go and find a specific. Property, you know, in terms of size, location, um, maybe GDV, maybe purchase price, whatever it may be, very specific, targeted approach, and then they'll go and, you know, even down to letter dropping uh, to source that that property, um, or it may be something that's just come to them, and you know, hopefully we're in the little black book, and they'll pick the phone up to us and just see if we're interested. So yeah, generally, you know, agents will charge. We're talking sourcing agents here. We'll charge anything between one and. Possibly the maximum we paid is three percent. Um, you know, it's in that it's in that range. But as you say, Mark, um, in terms of shared value, and if they if they do have a residential arm as well within the business, it's a it's just a great hook. Um, you know, to, to commit to them to to use their residential arm to sell sell the assets on the back end of the the project, um, which is you know it's, it's a really really good. Good way of enticing people towards you, and you know more supply and what have you. And you know those agents can sell, or they could uh, possibly, if you decide to hold, um, they could they can manage the you know tenant find and manage the properties on your behalf, or maybe a bit of both.
0: Mm. In fact, we did a calculation, didn't we, on the uh, the the port, Portal Precinct one in Colchester that we acquired in our SAS, um, where we acquired that property through an agent. So the agent was paid by the vendor. So the agent actually received nothing from us for acquiring that property. And that's how many developers work. They don't walk a mile in somebody else's business plan um, and, and their economic equation. But but I remember you you doing that, Nigel. And and the agent who brought us the deal has now created the FRI leases, brought those to the table, is managing. And we're holding that for the next 20, 30 years. So, yeah. Whereas they may have been overlooked for a fee, I can't remember exactly what the number is, but you know they've now got an account worth probably well over a hundred thousand pounds over the next quarter of a century.
1: Absolutely, and you know, you you become you know a, a keystone within that um, within that um, agent's business plan, you know, because you you you've proven to deliver, and therefore, if when the next one comes along, you know, who are they going to phone? It's it's that scenario, isn't it? So yeah, it becomes um, very purposeful and, um, you know, enduring really from that perspective.
0: And we've got a special session in the new year on one of our Wednesday sessions on on deal finding, on finding your deal, help you just accelerate that first year. We've got a detailed mentorship session actually on it, and I know that's going to be one of the areas that we'll we'll look at. So uh, look out for that one in January. So you can see from the creating shared value, there are many, many stakeholders to consider. Treat them powerfully. You know, we are the custodians of our own culture as business owners, and we have the choice. We can create that culture. We are entirely responsible for it, and that's something we should relish and seize. And that sets a very, very clear mandate, whether that mandate is based on low carbon, high energy efficiency, sustainability in all of its forms, um, whatever that philosophy is, that should permeate through the organization so I thought you know that was a, a useful contextual uh, startup of, of, of where things are and then there is the strategic model of your business now again we don't mind sharing this uh, with you you know this is a a graphical um, image of, of what our strategy is as a developer and this this can be used to explain what our model is to an investor to a bank, to a breakfast webinar. And hopefully you've all got your uh, your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and your bowl of porridge here um, listening to us. That's a tradition of, of this webinar. It's a short, sharp, punchy 45-minute session to help uh, boost your, your midweek and, and your day. Um, so this structure here, uh, we're a developer with a, an ECHO Group hat on here. Um, we draw in institutional funding. That's through either uh, bank debt, um, or development finance. Um, we create the balance through private capital, which is either on an equity or a debt basis. And the sources of those are sophisticated investors, high net worth investors, uh, our own SAS or others, uh, uh, a collaboration with other SAS trustees, it could be a limited company, it could also be LLPs as well, but they're quite rare. Um, and uh, also, we have our own investment vehicle, uh, capital So we draw our private capital. So even though that private capital may be coming um, from our own resources, we always create that distinction. You know, you are not your company, okay? You've got that distinction. And there's a legal almost definition, really, of if you're an LLP, a limited company, and you personally – keep them all separate and make sure if you are bringing money in, it's through loan agreements and various structuring. So we're using the banks and we're working with uh, wonderful private investors and we create developments. Those developments uh, in in Equigroup tend to be from, you know, three to five million up to sort of 20 million from, you know, 10, 10 or so apartments through to 60 odd apartments. Um, nigel and I do a lot of other developments which tend to be smaller we do byelects we've got hmos small commercial to residential conversions and those three strategies are extremely popular with with our mentees aren't they nigel
1: absolutely absolutely it's not it's not kind of zero to commercial conversions is it or, always i mean it, it does take a little bit of time to to get the assets developed so that, you know, there may be a requirement as part of the overall strategy to, to maybe, you know, dive into a couple of HMOs or buy to let, you know, which, whatever the, um, the aspiration is really, but it's, it's very much the strategy is driven by the the objectives and, um, you know, it's all about teasing out what people want in terms of income on a monthly basis and when they want it. And then that de- almost defines a strategy because, you, you know, you can't get um, one of these developments done um you know bought done and and sold at the other end or or rented out in six months you know you just can't do that so it just takes a little bit longer but as part of a blended strategy it works really well and just enables you know massive bullet payments uh to be made um along the journey um while other things are serving so uh, yeah it's all all part of the rich tapestry of strategy really
0: <laughs> so yeah really good i think uh, first sort of uh uh, aha moments with with our mentees and it, it really does lift the lift the weight of the millstone around your shoulder lift the weight off your shoulder um is when you've got clarity of what your strategy is you know we're we're not trying to create clones any of us we're not trying to be like anybody else we're only competing with what we're capable of and it's finding out what economic equation works for you. and for many, there are so many shiny pennies they've seen courses for everything out there um some of which they enjoy some they don't but actually that clarity of knowing right i've got an economic model i've got a strategy and absolute clarity and i know that is my my next three to six months to secure my my, my first stage of my um my wealth journey as an example um, so in this particular case, we're talking about developments, but I think the point's made, it could be small or large for you. Uh, our strategy is we tend to sell around about 80% to the market of overall units. So we may retain a whole development or we may sell a whole development, but across our entire portfolio, we're, we're trending around about uh, 20 to 25% uh, retained and 80%. Uh, and 75 to 80 percent are sold to to market. So therefore, we're holding the rest of the um, the assets, uh, and we have an asset management arm. Um, Our background, uh, as you know, is dealing with hundreds of millions of pounds worth of global infrastructure Um, that needs to be cared for, nurtured. And I think we'll probably do a um, probably do one of these sessions on asset management in the future, Nigel, Mm -hmm. in January. Absolutely, retaining those assets, many of us want to retain those assets you know work hard to create the asset for a year or so and, and then the asset works hard for you for uh, for many years. So what are the considerations on holding um, that? So, so we've got a very very strong asset management uh, arm and a, a series of skill sets which we've we've earned over over many years. so uh, we've got a, a mentorship session on that coming up soon as well. So that, in principle, is, is our, uh, our strategy. Very simple. Um, many people stall and procrastinate because they can't put it down in a simple form. You know, if that's your strategy, that's very clear, and therefore you've got, you know, six core areas to focus on. How do you institutionally fund a development? Or how do you find it? How do you fund it? How do you uh, uh, attract private investors? actually physically doing the development the sales process of the development the holding and then the the long-term care of that asset and there's a track record bear in mind this could be for bank purposes for commercial agents or for uh, private investors so a track record and this is just over the last uh, four or five years and um, that we've been doing this since we left our corporate life so we've got a track record there and uh a healthy pipeline, which which naturally, you know, ebbs and flows with the, with the market. Um, but that, uh, that gives you a, a flavour. Okay, so we've got the creating shared value. That's the moral compass bearing. Then we've got our business strategy model. And, and we've got three or four of these uh, across each one of our core business uh, holding companies and, and strategies here. Um, and let me uh, just pause for, for thought here. Um, we've got any Q&A at the moment. We've got our largest attendance here, Nigel. Yes. Um, yes. I think um, the, the feedback that, that we get, and we'd really generally appreciate your feedback, just pop your feedback in the Q&A rather than the chat box. Put them in the Q&A. Uh, any questions, put them in there. Any feedback? We'd really appreciate your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, we just, we just relish that. In fact, uh, both Nigel and I live a life of, of challenge. You know, we're, we're constantly challenging tradition, the norm. We challenge each other um, because we've got that humility to, to just be better tomorrow, be better tomorrow than we were yesterday, and just move the... I guess it's a bit like Team Sky, isn't it? If you can move the dial 0.1% every day, every week in the right direction... You know, it's, a, it's a great way to live. Mm. I, ju-
1: I just wondered while that slides on Mark maybe, maybe we talk around um, we can see we can see their institutional funding and private capital and equity coming in into the development maybe just talk about how the security is taken you know from each of those entities.
0: That's a that's a great point great point um so let's consider the uh the the, the banks then let's walk a mile in the the bank shoes so a bank traditionally is looking for a security package um where tend to be let's just put um uh, bank loans to one side we're more talking about uh, commercial finance development finance here so a security package there would be would tend to consist of three core things. Uh, it consists of a, a first charge on the property. It would consist of a, uh, a a personal guarantee from each of the active directors of the business. And finally, a debenture. Now, a debenture quite often causes a bit of angst and uh, a discomfort for some because they maybe don't understand. Um, so a, a debenture is you could almost view it as a a first charge on the company itself. So it's a floating first charge on the company. So why would a bank want that? Well, a bank are looking for, they want to make sure that nobody is in front of them in the queue. Nobody is beside them in the queue. Everybody is behind them in the queue. Um, So if they've got a first charge on any other assets in the company, than nobody else has. So that's number one. Now you might be saying, yeah, but Mark, I've heard you talk about this with Nigel before. Um, surely we're setting this uh, development up quite often in a SPV. Now an SPV, for, for those that uh, aren't familiar, is a special purpose vehicle. It's, a, com- it's a, a straightforward limited company, nothing special about it, apart from it's brand new, fresh out of the box, uh, has no track record and they really like that. And we'll come up to this on the next slide as well. So banks don't want any historical record. Um, imagine if we were reusing a company from three years ago and it's got an outstanding uh, insurance claim on it. The bank don't want to be involved in anything like that. So that's why they want uh, an SPV. So what are the assets of an SPV? well, oh, we've already got a first charge on the property. So what other assets could there be? Well, one that is uh, very clear is is cash. At certain, depending on the timing of a, let's say, a business were, in a doomsday scenario, a business were to fail. If you just guillotine down a timeline and say, right, the business fails at that point in time. There's a first charge on the on the property. And there will be some cash in the bank account of the SPV, and we would always strongly advise that, just from an accounting perspective, um, set up a uh, a bank account for your SPV. In fact, it's it's a, it's not mandatory, but in our opinion, it's a hundred percent essential. Nigel, isn't it? I agree, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're paying. VAT, which you almost certainly will on trades, and you want to recover, so you need to be back registered. Um, HMRC um, typically will send their checks or payments to uh, only to a bank account, which is the registered bank account to the limited company, as an example. Um, but it just makes reconciliation uh, so much easier. Um, so, you know, think of cash cash is an asset in the bank account of the SPV. So they're the three security charges. Um, there, are, oh, there are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Uh, there are many, many forms of security uh, in the private capital market. That could be a first charge, a second charge, a debenture, a combination of all of those, uh, deed of trust, uh, personal guarantees. There, there are so many different versions of those. Um, And uh, in in fact, I've got a whole chapter of that in in the book that's coming out just after Christmas. Just push that launch back, and that's uh, uh, Property and SaaS Secrets. Uh, That's coming out uh, just into the new year, so that will really give you a a turbocharger into 2021. So there's many different considerations on on security. Um, It's finding the right balance for uh, your funding partner. And that's uh, we work very closely with with our brokers, don't we, Nigel?
1: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very uh, key part of our professional team, Mark, aren't they? You know, and uh, you know the the, th- the thing is, it's you need that intermediary. You know, in in terms of the, the the development and the investment into that development, just to give them the the key the key components of what's being delivered, where it is, what it is. In terms of size, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and you know the brokers will go out to market, and they'll—it's almost like a, a dating thing, isn't it? They'll they'll place that development with you know three, four, five potential lenders, and just uh, seek their interest if they'd like to put their hand in the in the ring, and uh, you know, kind of just just pledge their interest really. So yeah, very very important that um, that broker's there, and you're engaging with them all the time um with updates on on opportunities coming coming through and um you know they're at least they're ready to hit the
0: button when you are yeah uh susan's uh said increasingly i think funders want to see uh values ethos um uh, to help secure funds i could not agree more susan um we in fact i didn't put this slide in but um i'll do that next week actually um We'll do environmental, social and governance, ESG, uh, next next week. Um, I think uh, this deal structuring will probably go into a third week, actually, and we'll do ESG as part of that. Um, so Susan raises a great point there, um, mm. backed by the United Nations, backed by the European investment banks as well. Um, and uh, you know, if you've not got that as part of your strategy, tune in next Wednesday because that's going to be uh, pretty powerful. Yep. Um, your uh, comments there, Ivor. Um, nice to nice see you. Uh, Gareth. Uh, Gareth has said, um, why do we choose an eighty-twenty 20 split for a sell and hold strategy? And Do you see that changing in the next 12 months? And the reality is, Gareth, uh, we monitor that. We have monthly board meetings. We monitor that all the time. Um, we want to hold assets ultimately uh, long-term. Um, but we've also got a, a market to serve in terms of uh, selling you know new homes help to buy um we we do a combination some we will retain the whole asset others we will sell the whole asset uh, the whole asset and, and others we will split 20 percent and and uh, 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 sorry split a percentage and, and and hold the rest um so a combination of all of those but it tends to trend around 20 25 percent uh, and that's that's our business model. It absolutely will bend and flex um, uh, over the uh, it has over the last twenty four months, and it will over the next twenty four to thirty six months as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a the, in terms of the twenty percent. It's it's probably a loose linkage to profitability. So essentially, what we're doing we're converting the profit of the development into equity. Um, so you think of the you know the overall profit, and or you know, you, oh, sorry, the overall GDP, big pond. Um, you know, twenty percent, twenty to thirty percent of that will be the profit of the of the scheme. So we can flip that into kind of twenty to thirty percent of the assets. So that's that's a very loose link to it. Um, but um, yeah, it's a good starting point. It's we've had that policy for some years now, haven't we? And it, you know, it enables you to build uh, the asset base, which is what we we're, we're looking to do. And in some cases, you know, we hold the entire development. So it's, it's very horses for courses and case by case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In any, uh, any organisation that's holding assets, we're also being very careful as to the, the quantum of assets we're holding. We'll always look at the assets. We might churn the assets every now and again, You know, look at what's performing, what's not performing. Mm. Uh, we don't want too much concentration risk. And if you've got your notepad there, right beside your bowl of porridge, write down concentration risk. It's something that you'll need to understand when you walk a mile in the in the bank's shoes. Um, and we're the same. you know. Do we want to hold you know, 500 apartments in one particular t- uh, town or part of a city? No, it's too, too much risk for us. Mm-hmm. So it's a diversified strategy across commercial, HMOs, vitalettes, apartments, um, commercial units. Um, Nigel, I, I think what's, uh, what we've reflected on hard over the last nine months, I mean, it's been turbulent, unprecedented times. Um, whilst we, we love one bed apartments, they're, they're, they're absolutely perfect for certain areas. Um, but over the last nine months, people want more outdoor space, don't they? If they've got a back garden and, uh, you know, swing and a climbing frame and a place to park the car out the front, mm. uh, so we're diversifying our asset holding strategy to including more. In fact, our latest development uh, in uh, the Surrey Hills, beautiful Surrey Hills, in between Farnham and Guildford, is a, a, a nine new build housing scheme, um, and that's got exactly that, hasn't it? Even yeah. if it's a communal playground as well. Absolutely, and
1: uh, I mean we do we do still, we'll still consider. Um, commercial conversions absolutely um, but it's just looking at you know the other parts of the uh, the development so for instance I guess a good example is Waybrook House Mark isn't it you know Waybrook House um, it is on a commercial park um, but it's located right at the rear you know it's got it's, it's in its own grounds um, so there's, there's probably I don't know a quarter of an acre of grass with it you know, the the um, development itself has got balconies, um, you know, patio doors, you know, to enable the outside space to come in. The ground floor units have all got their own private garden spaces as well. There's a communal barbecue area and, and it rolls down to a lovely little river or a watercourse. So, you know, in that, in that instance, people can get out. But you can imagine, you know, uh, going forward and obviously what we've learned through lockdown one and two you know that isolation of people being kind of stuck in a box, you know, is is um, is starting to move trends we're, we're seeing uh, in the market, and and people are migrating a little bit, not not wholesale, but you know, a little bit into, you know, we want more space. Um, so commercial commotion is absolutely, but it's just the considerations of how you can develop and 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 serve the the tenants or the owners, you know, with that requirement. Yeah. I was going. I was just going to pick up as well on the um, uh, the lenders on the back end of a development. So if you are holding, Mark, um, well, you mentioned concentration risk. You know we're seeing kind of twenty percent um, is actually, which again aligns quite nicely with the twenty percent versus eighty percent. But twenty percent is kind of the limitation of some lenders, not not all. Um, you know there are there are lenders as well that will do a bigger scenario, but more of the regulated. Buy to let, you know, vanilla products that are out there. There, there are limitations of number of units that they will pick up, and and we're seeing, you know, twenty to thirty percent tends to be the the norm at the moment. So if you've got a big development, you can imagine you could have, you know, five, six, seven lenders in there just just picking off quantum that, that maxes out their um their, their concentration risk risk numbers, and um, that's a that's an interesting journey to, in terms of doing all the applications, but. But nonetheless, once they're set, you know, they're set. And, um, you know, so it's all, all very
0: doable. Hugely important. And, and this is where each and every one of you, every one of us, needs to do a lot of navel-gazing, um, looking at what works for you, yeah. you know, looking at the type of asset class you have, your funding strategy, what your uh, cash flow looks like, what your profitability looks like, do you want to buy, develop and sell and release the, the, the profit um, or do you want to uh, retain a number of units and hold the profit as equity? You know, if your profit levels are 20%, you know, are you going to be able to get 75 to 80% loan to value on holding the asset? Maybe not. Maybe it's going to be sixty-five to seventy percent, possibly. So you're going to need to be wanting some additional funding into that on a long-term hold basis. So you've got different levels of, of funding depending on your strategy. Mm-hmm. You're very open with with investors there. Nigel, I can see this is uh, there's lots of questions here. So this will go into a part three on on structuring and. Uh, and we'll carry this on. So let's just pick up a, a, a few more questions. Uh, morning, Gerd. Hope you're well. Um, uh, just to ask, do you manage your uh, manage our money and offer us a return uh, for inviting us to invest in developments? Yeah, I mean, we work with private investors. We, we don't do this webinar to help raise funds. So if, if anybody wants to drop me a, a note separately, and then I would always go through compliance aspects, ensure... Um, we're talking in compliance with FCA 13.3 um, as high net worth individuals and sophisticated investors. But yeah, we work extensively with with private investors. Um, and there was another question below on, has everything always gone, can't find it now, but has everything always gone uh, swimmingly on all developments? And uh, could we share uh, some of what's gone wrong or, or learnings? Look, we've been doing this for thirty years, and we've seen the market go through, you know, tumultuous times. Um, we've not always done everything right. You know, humility is one of the the strongest uh, uh, strongest strengths in in any business. Um, what we've always done is been very open and transparent. You know, communicate effectively. Um, thankfully, you know, we've never had any major dramas. Um, I mean, one I can one I can think of, which uh, which was a pretty tough time for us, was on one development we decided to depart from our normal uh, risk level and we took planning risks, didn't we, Nigel? Do you remember? Um, I do. <laughs> <You> do <yeah. laughs> See this grey hair? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, we, we did, didn't we? And um, I mean, thankfully, it was successful. Um, you know, we got planning, but that was. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a tread carefully in, in the planning world, definitely.
0: Um, yeah, we've, we've been used to controlling uh, aspects under conditionality and we acquired a building and took the risk that we could go, go for planning and, and get planning. Um, we did indeed get planning, but that was 18 months. Um, we had to refinance um, halfway through it. And um, we'd put, uh, as we quite often do, put quite a bit of money in ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, and that, that held cash. And we could have used that cash on on other developments. So you know, always consider the cause and effect the opportunity cost. And uh, those of you that know Nigel and I, we're, we're very open about our learnings and you know, what has gone well mm-hmm. uh, even a development that has gone so well. I mean, the one we closed uh, uh, very recently, um, you know, Waybrook House, that was a sensational development, so successful in every way, shape or form. But Nigel and I are engineers, so we tend not to celebrate the 99%. We'll focus on the 1% that could have gone that little, tiny little bit better. (laughs) And actually, the the youngsters in our businesses... Uh, they they're great because they they draw out the celebration out of us a bit where we we can be a bit dour sometimes and focus on the one percent but it uh, forces into a celebration maybe even a little bit of a fist pump every now and again
1: every, every now and again that's about yeah that's about it yeah yeah we do we do we tend to beat ourselves up on the one percent then we but uh, there you go that's uh, ever ever improving culture then um, but yeah I, I agree Mark I think in terms of that particular. Project, you know, where we we did buy the asset and we we went into planning. We'd actually got a couple of exits as well already planned out. One, um, it was a it was a nice Victorian villa uh, property. Um, It was D1 use uh, class, Um, but we'd we'd lined up the one exit was just to rent it out. You know, get a tenant in there, a commercial tenant under an FRI lease, and and then rent it out, and then refinance it on the basis of of the strength of the lease. Um, and the other was just to walk it straight into auction sell it as it was um you know and we you know we've, we certainly made sure we were buying it as it was in terms of the value of the the asset going in and not with the planning game part so it's a couple of exits there but <clears throat> the, the shocker really was it, it took us best part of what would you say 18 months to two years to get the planning and uh, you know that's the that's the bit that was kind of uncontrollable you know out of our control you know we were bending and weaving with the planning department, the planning department going through multiple churns of people. Um, you know, one minute we were dealing with one individual that left and then somebody else came with a uh, different view and it just kept, <clears throat> kept rolling on. And I think, um, the lesson learned there was just to be really, really careful around, um, your, your lending. <clears throat> and, and if you, if you like the, um, you know, the termination of that lending, everything has a long stop. It always has an end point. And just making sure that that's cast out into the future far enough to enable you to do whatever you need to do, and and I think this is that we learned from that, and um, everything. Therefore, moving on from that point, we just made sure our facilities, in our developments, you know, had a a nice tail on the back end. I mean, in terms of a, a facility with a lender, and particularly development finance, you know, we know that you only pay for what you draw down. I mean, there may be a slight non-utilisation fee if you don't pull it all down, but, you know, we, we know that's the case. But also you could possibly extend the term, you know, in just to give you that uh, that cushion. Um to, to change strategy or, or whatever. So so I think that's that's quite important just to just to put it but also to to be starting with the end in mind. So for instance, if we um if we like you mentioned that particular uh SaaS related deal actually that we um in Farnham there. Um you know all, all, although it's a residential development and and it will be developed outside of the sas the, the the proceeds um and the net profit from that will be contributing to our pension so that's the that's that particular one but that so therefore the exit is refinance um but we still look at the point of you know if something happens during that period whatever it may be We need the length of the facility to enable us to possibly sell or or put into auction or whatever it may be. So there's always looking at the longest period, um, you know, when talking to your broker, when talking to your banks and agreeing your your facility. Um, Otherwise, you know, refinancing, um, you know, some of you will know it's very, very expensive and it could, you know, it could wipe out your profit you know, in some cases. So it's it's really important you've got that that cushion in terms of time in your facility.
0: Definitely, definitely. Okay, I'm just going to skip through a couple of questions here because we want to give as much value as, as we can possibly pack in in 45 minutes. This will go to a part three. Um, so Rick, uh, oh, thank, thank you, Rick. That's very flattering now. Uh, I've compulsive viewing these sessions apparently so uh thank, thank you rick it means a lot so uh, we do put a lot of effort in how many attendees uh we peaked at 84 84 this morning so uh almost at the the 100 mark and uh with a bit of support spread the news please just let people know the link and let's get this to 100 uh, uh 100 regularly before um before next week um, Colin, asks, morning, Colin. Hope you're well. That's um, a really good question, actually, because we mentioned a, a bank account per SPB. Um, so, uh, would we typically set up a new zero or a new accounting software? We we use QuickBooks, but yeah, other others are available, zero and the like. Um, some use Sage, but we find zero and QuickBooks in in our businesses work the best. Uh, so, yes, we would typically set up. Uh, you know, it's probably another. Th- 30 or 40 quid, maybe not even that, to be honest, uh, per mm-hmm. month. Um, mm-hmm. It just keeps control. If you've got control, then HMRC are happy, supply chain are happy. We sleep easier at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we would typically uh, set up a new account. And it's all on, a, all on our phone as well, all on one master account. Yep. Yeah, just kind of tipped into
1: bank accounts isn't it but um we've we've just opened one recently and just find out that the high street they're, they're pretty much shut i would say to um to new business bank accounts um however metro bank is still open um so we, we've just recently opened one with metro bank but i think there are some online banks starling etc that you can still open business bank accounts with so that's just a just a state of the nation. Just at this moment, and next week it'll probably be completely different. But just at the moment, it's uh, it's a
0: little bit shut on the high street. So start early. Yeah. Allow more time. I mean, we've yeah. we, previously we could set a new Metro bank account up um, within days, really. But uh, mm. you know, it's taken that a little bit longer. So do bear that yeah. in mind. Um, Stephen, how are you, sir? Nice to nice to have you on board again. That's uh, lovely to see you. Um, What are the biggest risks to your strategy and and how are you mitigating it? Uh, We're very open with with risk. Um, If you recall, we did a uh, breakfast webinar uh, probably about seven or eight weeks ago on contingency. And we discussed, you know, there's probably 10 areas of contingency that we're putting in to offset risk. Uh, to answer your question very direct, again, we're nothing but transparent here. If you look at the, the, the strategy we've, we've got there, um, what are those core risks? Well, they're businesses. Each one is an individual business. So we have to put cash flow on there as probably number one risk for any business. Um, so you've got to have enough liquidity in your business. What we do see is uh, many developers are not asking for enough cash. So therefore, they're not asking enough ultimately from the private capital side because the bank will only fund so much. They're not, you know, particularly if they're looking at equity, they're trying to squeeze the private capital down to as low as possible, um, and that means they're they've got a, a potentially a cash shortfall. And uh, when we do a, a session on the Equida, Nigel, I think got Nigel's got version 59 coming out soon. Um, you'll see because it's got equity waterfall and embedded cash flow management in there. We've got to look at that cycling and all those kind of things that many don't don't recognise. Because ultimately, it comes down to knowing what number you actually need with contingency for a development. So I think cash is number one, Stephen. Um, ultimately, the builder's got to build it on time um, and uh, and and to budget. And if your strategy is is to sell. Then allowing enough time um, for that sales process, and not every sale goes ahead. Some fall out, and then you've got to start the process again, and then you've got to conclude with uh, the, you know the, the freehold sale as as well. So just making sure. Um, that everything there is concluded. And also don't forget to add a bit of time at the end. Again, if you're if you're uh closing the SPV at the end, once all liabilities are satisfied and taxes paid, allow a bit of time for that process as well. Um where are we on time, Nigel? In fact, we are there. We are there. What we'll do um there are so many more questions uh, i noticed got one here from paul and paul and susan and and glenn look there are so many questions here um so we're going to go into a part three next wednesday uh, i know you love these sessions and we love doing them as well so we'll make a note of those questions please join us again at eight o'clock um next wednesday morning And, uh, you know, I think we're going to have close on uh, 100 people there. If you are interested in uh, knowing more, then join our EQUA Academy, E-Q-U-A, EQUA Academy Facebook group. If you're interested in uh, EQUA Mentorship, we've got our mentorship session now in 15 minutes with our mentees. Um, So uh, drop us a line, Uh, direct message me on Facebook uh, or on LinkedIn. And, uh, and book a call, or you can email me personally on mark.stokes at equasas.co.uk. And I'll personally respond to you, and we can set up a, a complimentary 30 minute session. And uh, I can answer some personal questions about whether Equa Mentorship or indeed our Equa Earn and Learn uh, programs are right for you. So, Nigel. We've actually slightly overrun. That's a cardinal sin for a developer, isn't it? <laughs> we are two and a half minutes overrun. <laughs> we need an extension of time. That's <laughs> yeah, great. Great session. Brilliant. So thank you, everybody, so much, and uh, have a fantastic week and weekend with your loved ones. Um, and we'll be uh, out of lockdown when we uh, when we next uh, we, we next speak and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic week and look forward to your, your comments and a great session part three on structuring next Wednesday morning. Take okay. care. Have a Thank great you. Month. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.